Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season two, the unending season of Beef State, new and improved, upgrading in every way. Obviously, the set is gone. Uh, if you are a returning customer, you may notice uh, we're in new areas. Scotty uh, bought a house. Uh, he did that live on stream uh, in, a, in season one. So, you know, I don't know how, but we're definitely going to top that this year. We're gonna do something even more exciting on stream. I have moved to Omaha. Scott's still holding it down in Lincoln, so we are able to cover you. Uh, you know, every inch of Omaha, every inch of Nebraska that is between Omaha and Lincoln, the like one percent of space that that is, we have it. Uh, we have a very exciting season. We're gonna take things to the next level in every way. Uh, we're gonna be more informed than ever. We're gonna be the most informed football talkers. We're gonna be the most uh, informed basketball talkers. We're going to be talking, you know, obviously Nebraska sports, mostly Nebraska football. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the UFC. We're going to talk about whatever piques our interest. We're incredibly excited for ourselves and incredibly excited for you guys. Uh, I'll kick it over to Scotty in a second, but we do have to say it is volleyball day in Nebraska as we record this. Uh, it looks packed to the gills. They have not uh, announced the attendance yet. They're going to do that between the second and third sets, and I think the game uh, between Nebraska and UNO has just kicked off. But we are on world record watch right now. Uh, incredibly exciting stuff for the state of Nebraska, for volleyball, for women's sports, uh, not just in Nebraska, but you know across the world, because this potentially could be a world record. Uh, very good chance it's a U.S. record. Um, if not, it's going to be you know second. Obviously, absolutely demolishing the uh, volleyball record that's currently standing. But uh, Scott, my friend, you got married. It's been uh, one hell of an off season. It's kind of one of those things that. It feels like it's never going to end, and then as it's coming to an end, you're like, holy shit, where did the time go? Uh, we're playing in Minnesota tomorrow. You uh, you ready for all that? Oof. Um, yeah, the first game always creeps up on you. Once we have this game, um, I know I'm going to be upset that we're going to have a 10-day gap instead of a 7-day gap between games now. Yeah, good point. Um, the first game kind of hits you like a wall, and I think you don't really feel it until the kickoff. Uh, yeah. And then um, in between those two games is usually when I get the get the juice. Um, as of right now, my brain's just still not quite in college football mode yet. Did you watch any of the games last week? You know what? I did not watch much of the game. I was actually in Kansas City uh, helping my dad work on do some work at my sister's place. We did go to the Chiefs mm -hmm. uh, preseason game, which I had never been to a preseason yeah. game. And I have not been to an NFL game in like 15, 16 years. It's been a very long time since so I've been to an NFL game. So obviously not the same experience. Um, got to see your favorite quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Um, as a joke, Scott does not like Deshaun Watson. Um, not a controversial but, take. No, it's definitely not a controversial take. Right. I do not like Scott Watson, uh, Deshaun Watson. But it was still a good time. Uh, you know, it wasn't banner night, but it was the first time that they've been back since the Super Bowl. Um, it, it was it was a good time, but I I, I watched a little bit of the uh, Ireland game of uh, Notre Dame versus Navy. That Navy or mm -hmm. that was Navy. Uh, you know, Nebraska Northwestern last year obviously did have like a million more viewers, eight hundred thousand or something. So I'm a little disappointed that Marcus Freeman didn't do an onside kick in honor of all the fans watching. You know, that's poor judgment by him, I think. You know, no fan service. So he's probably going to be two seasons and done um, over there at Notre Dame. You know, no respect to the fans. Give him something to be excited about. Get up a few scores, kick an onside kick, really get the people going. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe he'll turn things around. But 
you know, I don't know. I, I, I am not a fan of the week zero college football thing in all seriousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's even playing tomorrow for Nebraska. It doesn't, it doesn't really feel like college football is back until that Saturday hits. And it's just all day college football. Like you can't jam it all in. I, I completely 100% agree with you, Joe. Um, I, I, I suppose I don't want them to move it back later. I want college football to be now, but yeah, I, I maybe it'll be good because then we'll get to just watch the Huskers on Thursday and then consume a full slate on Saturday. I haven't even checked the slate this weekend. Do we have any good games, or is it just uh, typical Week One stuff? Uh, it's pretty typical Week One. The uh, the the marquee one, I guess, that people you know, it's maybe not going to be the best game in the world, but you know, def- almost you know. Second place team TCU going up against Colorado. Obviously, a lot of talk about Colorado and Deion Sanders. Um, TCU dropped to like 17th or something in the rankings. Obviously, Colorado's not rated coming off a one win season. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that that's what people are going to be watching. I'm not super filled in with the slate, but that's one of those games that uh, uh, I think Iowa, Utah State, Iowa's going to be can't miss this year. For, not just because we're Big Ten fans, but. Just the offensive thing, the punting, it's just no matter what happens, it's going to be, it's like got Sicko's committee football written all over it. Yeah, what um, we, what, what's his name? Brian Fans, the offensive coordinator for Iowa. I, I remember that he's on some sort of uh, quota that he has to hit mm-hmm. in order to keep his job. Yeah. And yeah, it's I, not specified if those are offensive or defensive points. Just the whole entire team of Iowa has to score 20 points a game. Isn't that right? I think we, we talked about this a lot when it's happened. I do think yeah. it is offensive points. I think we did figure that out. Because mm-hmm. I think we were talking about how, like, oh, that shouldn't be too bad. But I do believe that it is uh, offensive points per game. That's... Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. We should we should have a whole season tracker where every every episode we update. Never yeah. yeah, mind. It's it's including both. So <laughs> it's it is including both. I think so. Yeah. Which uh, they brought in Cade McNamara, so they're uh, they're gonna they're giving it all they got. But we'll uh, we'll see if he's healthy and he's able to uh, toss the football around. Yeah. All well, right. He's a solid quarterback. It's not that I mean, quarterback was a big issue for them. Uh, it's not like they've had an awesome quarterback play, though. Um, it's just their skill positions were so empty last year. And they've yeah. just, this whole offseason, you've just seen more and more exodus out of there. I think, what did they have, two scholarship receivers for the spring? Something like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I was never been known for their wide receiver position. Uh, certainly known for their tight ends. But, you know, I don't know if it's especially a, a running back, you know, known for its running backs, which is kind of odd to me. I mean, they've had good running backs, but, you know, they haven't had the kind of success that they have at wide receiver that they normally have at tight end, which is kind of surprising. Um, Scott, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the offseason and heading into the um, heading into this year. Uh, we're we're going to kind of briefly go over the season expectations because, you know, we're a little late to the party. We uh, Scott was kind of kicking my ass to get back into the show. Um, but you know, we, we're going to talk a lot about Minnesota, but let's just talk about kind of the season, uh, Matt rules first season as the head coach, of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, obviously, um, 
not as much riding on this season. I don't think as there have been in years past, there's a, not a lot of pressure compared to what, you know, Scott Frost was uh, every, you know, the last three years or so it was like, Hey, is this guy actually going to work? You know, in each season that tension kind of mounted and, you know, halfway through the uh, Notre Dame or the Northwestern Nebraska game in Ireland, you kind of knew, Hey, Scott Frost, this isn't going to work out. And then you had to, you know, suffer for a few more games. I think, you know, if if things get off to a little bit of a rocky start, I don't think we're like, you know, clawing our eyes out like, oh, shit, this is another horrible run. You know, unless things are really, really bad, even if, you know, we lose a few games early, I don't think there's too much panic from anyone. There's not that same pressure. Um, you know, Matt Rule traditionally at uh, Temple and at Baylor has taken a while to turn his programs around, um, you know, so we can talk about how much that changes with transfer portal and NIL and that kind of stuff. And I think it has changed, but overall, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, this is kind of a, you know, kind of a, we can all you know, take a deep breath kind of kind of year, because I think everyone's pretty happy with what Matt rule has done so far in the off season. So I think it's just, we can all, as long as the season goes, okay, I think we're kind of in a good spot. Yeah. Well, he's so the two stops he's had at college football as a college football head coach, they've both been three years long. They've both been taking over programs that were at rock bottom. And now this might feel like rock bottom for Nebraska, but it's not rock bottom compared to where it could be for the rest of college football. You know, no, nothing compared to where Baylor was. We, we, we've been incredibly competitive the past three seasons, maybe even four seasons, to have the record that we have. So it's not, you know. The cupboards aren't empty. This isn't Baylor where you had a 50-man exodus and you couldn't even fill out 85 scholarships. This isn't Temple that was at zero wins before we got there. Um, this is, you know, a, a competitive team with a competitive roster, a roster that should stack up against every other team in your division at least. Now, you're not going to be competing for Big Ten championships, but I don't think this is like a, a typical Matt Rule year one where you're winning one game like it was at Temple or Baylor. Agreed. He's even said it himself. I think even on Cowherd's thing, he was he said that this feels more like a year two to him than a year one. Mm-hmm. So I think we can expect to compete for a bowl game. I think we can expect yeah. also just with the way the schedule lines up to be engaged for the whole season. Yeah. Um, because there's not many games that are unwinnable beyond maybe the midpoint of the season. Yeah, Michigan and games like that. Yeah. So I think but, once we get to like halfway through, then it's like every single game is super interesting because they're all winnable and they're all going to be very impactful towards our, our you know, I, I think success this year, I think a minus I would say is making it to a bowl game. Yeah. Also, I think the fact that you play on the road, your first game against a tough, you know, division opponent kind of takes pressure off i don't think it yeah. adds the pressure to nebraska i think and we'll, we'll get into this more later but i think that it's kind of just ripping the bandit off for players too players that have been here a long time i mean players feel pressure too like you know they may you know they're not you know you don't have juniors and seniors who are saying oh well it's matt rules first year so i don't have to worry about anything there's no pressure on me because these guys have their own goals they have their own aspirations they want to play in the national football league you know they want to be successful in college you know they, these guys ha- aren't you know when a new coach takes over, you don't reset and you have four more years of eligibility. These guys want to compete and they want to win now. So when you go and you have your week one game primetime on Fox 
with the goat Gus Johnson calling your game. Uh, divisional road game. They do their sellout, uh, like Golden Gopher game, whatever it's called. You know, I think it kind of just, it's so much stuff that it's just, it kind of just cleanses your palate. It's like, yeah, this is kind of a lot, but let's just see what we can do. You know, this is not, let's just do what we can. We don't need to win this game. We don't need to win, you know, the Big Ten West this year. Let's just take it game by game. And I think that kind of just, it's, it sets the right tone, uh, whether you win or not. I mean, I think the only way that this is terrible for Nebraska is if they just look like absolute dog shit, which I don't expect to be the case. No, um, and I expect to be engaged the whole season. So last year, the first three games were really exciting because it was turmoil and survival mode and tons of emotions. And then, you know, Scott was fired, and then it's like, okay, now what? Um, we were out of bull contention pretty quickly after that. We were on our third-string quarterbacks. So you just got to be numb for a few games last year. Yeah, it's last year was tough. We needed, but um, it feels good to be engaged and excited and hopeful for the future because I think – I've, after Scott was fired or after that Georgia Southern game and we lost and I hated that we lost, but then I felt a huge sense of relief that we're finally going to have closure on this and move in a new direction. Uh, and I think the fan base and the program, uh, both in our, in Matt rules sentiments and in how just we've been engaging with other fans online, it's pretty humble that way we're going about it. It doesn't feel like it was when Scott Frost was here, when we expected to, go out and beat the Big Ten West, especially with our scheme and our system and our better facilities and better athletes. I think it feels more like, hey, we're just going to come out and compete and play hard. Yeah, he's talked a lot about what, and I I don't think it's just Matt Rule trying to fish for attention. I think he genuinely feels that, you know, playing tough, gritty, you know, in the trenches, he's talked a lot about four-minute offense, which, you know, we have a fullback again. Like, these are things that Nebraska fans want. And I don't think it's just fan service. If it were just fan service, I would think it's all bullshit, but I don't think it is. I think that's how Matt Rule wants to play football. I think it's a, he thinks it's important to winning in the Big Ten. Um, we'll kind of see how that translates over the next few years, if that's the direction it goes with the addition of you know Oregon and USC. Um, but that's you know down the line, which you know, there's arguments to that you know those teams might really really struggle against you know a Big Ten West type team that's you know just tough and grinds out the football because it's not necessarily how a traditional West Coast office wants to play, whatever that's, that's more down the road. But I think I do, I do agree. I think uh bowl season is very possible. I'm not going to like put all my eggs in that basket. I like your, your uh, definition of that being an a minus season. I would, I don't even know if I'd go, I'd say maybe like B plus, I would say like eight wins would be eight wins. I'd probably put like an a plus. Yeah. A plus. A plus. I was uh I was looking at our schedule and I don't want to say eight wins is likely because I don't think that's true. And I don't think any fans should be expecting eight wins. But I mm-hmm. went through game by game. This is not the hardest season we've ever had. There's a lot of oh, no. uh very interesting things. Like this, obviously Michigan, you look at the schedule, Michigan's by far the hardest game. You know, the uh most people would say second best technically. You know, third ranked third or fourth at the end of last year because they didn't make the national championship game. But I think most people would say uh, second best team in the country last year. Uh, you know, have been have won the Big Ten two or three years straight. Uh, very, you know, we know Michigan is a very good football team. There's no doubt about that. But we're not playing Ohio State. Uh, I, I, I kind of wonder if the fact that we play M- Minnesota on the road 
to start in prime time kind of skews how people view the season because that's i mean this legitimately might be like our second or third hardest game like seriously yeah i think honestly well i think i think wisconsin's gonna be good and i think that um you know we caught maryland we're catching maryland on the way up they've got a good quarterback good coach uh who knows where that program will be when because those guys are inevitably leaving probably even after this year but um yeah I, I mean i know minnesota's got a lot of questions i think i just respect the program that pj fleck has built yeah and um elite program i think it might just be good to get this one out of the way you know if you like first game under a new coach not always the best you know right beginning of the season type of thing the way that we know matt rules teams have always gone in the past they get better as the year goes along they might start and struggle early especially in his first year so um you know i'm i'm fine with getting like a schedule loss if if that makes sense yeah no i totally understand that because when we look at it you know i would kind of err on like if i had to i'd probably pick around my expectation would be probably around six wins for mm-hmm. uh for the season I don't think that's, and that would be I mean, our best season in what, like five, six years. Um, oh, you liked it there for a second. Um, but man, I mean, obviously, start at Minnesota, go to Colorado. Colorado, a lot of questions. Some people are very high uh, on Colorado. I don't know if we would be under that umbrella of people. Uh, then you have NIU, NIU, LA Tech. Obviously, Michigan's going to be very, very tough. Uh, Illinois is going to be very, very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know a different way, but Brett Bielma's always got his boys rearing to go. Bye week, then you got Northwestern, which what the who the fuck knows what's going on with Northwestern? Um, that place is you know absolutely on fire. You've got Purdue with another new head coach, Michigan State, which has not been performing the way people thought they would. You know Maryland, yeah, they've been playing better, but you know we've I feel like we kind of say that all the time, and then they generally under. You know, maybe do about as good as they should, but they're never, you know, they're not going to clip seven wins. They've got no, three not. 100% guaranteed losses on their schedule. And, you know, they've got to play the rest of the, you know, a couple teams from the Big Ten West and the rest of the Big Ten East. I don't, I don't know what their non-con looks like, but it's probably a seven, six or seven win Maryland team, probably in the same boat as us. I think Michigan State, Maryland, and um, maybe even Iowa. I think those are just straight pick them games. Okay. And so I, here's what I would say. If we're three and three, by the time we're done with Illinois, I like where we're at because I think I'm just going to write down Northwestern as a W. Yep. <laughs> and then it's win two out of five. And I think Wisconsin, maybe you could write in as a loss. And then it's you just got to win two out of the four pick That's six and six. So I'm very I'm very interested in Wisconsin this year because yeah. obviously we are both high on Luke Fickle. He's an excellent football coach. We've all seen what he does what he's done at Cincinnati. But I'm very curious to see how this offense shakes out. You know, there's I don't know his name. The offensive coordinator does not run the offense we would expect to see Luke Fickle run. Uh, yeah. The new quarterback they brought in doesn't necessarily run the offense that we would expect Luke Fickle to run. Which may be which may be you know they absolutely light it up and that's totally possible. Wisconsin could be very, very, very good this year. Um, 
I think there's Very also great. a chance. I think there's also a chance that that there's something weird going on there, and maybe he was, you know, told to bring in this new offense that you know maybe some higher ups might want to see run. Um, yeah, that could yeah. not be the case. But if that's the case, I think that's very worrisome. Anytime you have that kind of interference, if you don't let a good coach just do his job, so I think Wisconsin will still be good. Um, but I think, I mean, they are they are they are the ultimate question mark team in the Big Ten for me this year. I think they could be, you know, they could win eleven games, or they could you know really struggle. And I think they could win like five or six. I think I mean five is probably too low. Maybe six or seven. We'll say that. Um, but that's maybe the most interesting team in the, uh, in the definitely the West yeah. and East. Oh, you know. Sure, yeah, they have they have a better chance of competing for the Big Ten right away than we do. Because um, you know it, it was a good program they took over. Firing Paul Chris feels like firing of uh, Frank Solich, and so we'll see if Fickle is like more of a Bill Callahan, or if you know he's going to be legit one of the best coaches in college football. Like he's been considered, yeah. and you know we all we all wanted. If if Nebraska hired Luke Fickle, I would have been over the moon. But I think oh, it's yeah. just a different situation. So I, I think I like Matt Rule better for our situation because he's got to build something up. And Fickle certainly did that at Cincinnati, but it took a long time. He's been the head coach of Cincinnati since he left Ohio State back, uh, you know, when Urban Meyer got there. He was there for nine years. Yeah, he was there for a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, it's clear that Wisconsin's administration was in on the decision um obviously yeah they still owed a lot of money to paul chris and they i think they knew that there was a ceiling wisconsin was putting on itself by running the offense that they did and that they needed to make changes if they wanted to reach a different um level in college football yeah and so with the additions of wisconsin and Oregon, who win the t- or run the type of offenses that you can win national championships with, they um, USC. No, they're going for it. They're going for it. They're pushing their chips in. That's what this is. Yeah, I think you said. I think you meant Oregon and USC with the addition, which I was actually right. going to make that same point. Yeah, you said Washington and Oregon. Um, I, I want to say like that. That may end up being the right call, especially with the addition of Oregon and Washington, which came after. Um. But, you know, we'll see. And a lot of people have mentioned, uh, you know, the firing of Paul Christ and how that kind of the similarities that that brings up with Nebraska football. Uh, you brought up Frank Solich. A lot of people bring up Bo Pelini. Um, you know, I think it's more of a Bo Pelini thing where we were winning. We we're winning. We we're always winning. Um, but we were not competing in the way that, you know, people thought we could. Still kind of, especially the timing of the Paul Christ fire. It just, Seemed out of nowhere. Also, the um, what's his face, old buddy, the uh, receivers coach or offensive coordinator that everyone thought was a shoe in to get the job. The who's no longer. Yeah, what was his yeah. name? Yeah, should know. His he name. is at Illinois. Yeah, isn't he like quality analyst control or something too? Yeah, like we were. Ex- um, So it's interesting for Wisconsin fans because he's going to coach with Bielema who was his coach while he was in college, but uh, also is a former Wisconsin coach. Right. So there, it, it, there's a little bit of salt. There's a little bit of drama brewing around those two fan bases. Yeah, sorry, we couldn't think of his name. We'll come back to it. We'll figure it out. Okay, Scott, uh, let's... Jim uh, oh, Jim Liner. 
Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Thank you, Scott. All right. Um, so we're going to kind of tiptoe around this because we're still talking Minnesota, uh, cause that's tomorrow. So we obviously have to talk about it. We want to give our record prediction. Um, and I mean, we, we kind of want to go game by game. We're going to try and mask it cause we don't want to give away who we're picking for Minnesota and Colorado. Scott, I don't know if you have the uh, schedule up, so I'll go first. Um, I'll just say this because, you know, two of those games for Nebraska, I think, NIU, LA Tech, we're both going to chalk up as wins. Um, mm-hmm. So let's. So I'm going to say for me, I'm going to predict us to go three and one through the first four games. Now you kind of may already know what I'm going to say later, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I keep going back and forth. Anyway, I'm going to say we're three and one. I'm going to say we lose to Michigan and Illinois. So I'm going to say four or three and three, entering that bye week. And then you've got Northwestern, which we're going to assume is just a win. Uh, and, you know, that's not been a very good football team, and they're absolutely on fire right now. There's no reason to expect Nebraska to lose. Uh, if that team can even make it to that week, you know, maybe maybe they can surprise people. I doubt it, especially looking at how things are right now. Uh, so that puts us at, at four and three. Uh, Purdue mm-hmm. is under a weird situation, too, firing their, or not fire. Well, they have a new head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh I think we win that game. I think Michigan State. I'm not really sure what's going on over there. I don't feel super confident in that. Uh, but the Michigan State, uh, Maryland, that's that's a little bit of a tricky one for me. Um, I think we probably win one of those. I think we lose one of those. So I think, what do I have a set there, Scott? I've got, man. I was not keeping track at home. I even I have know. a pen next to me. I know. I'm three and three, four and three, five and three. I think. I think we win two of our last four. Where does that put us? Seven? Seven wins? Northwestern Purdue, I have two W's. Um, Wisconsin and Iowa. Oh, God, I was winning eight games. I might have to split that. All right, well, if you want me to go through it. Um... No, I, okay. I want to say we will win seven games. So I have a set five and three before Michigan State. We drop one between Michigan State and Maryland. We drop one between Wisconsin and Iowa. I think that puts us at seven and five. I feel pretty pretty good about that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. So I think... Um, whoa, I have last year's schedule pulled up. I was like, why is it saying? Northern Colorado, or North Dakota. I was like, what the heck? All right, some of those, don't pencil those in as wins. Some of those games are tough. That's true. That North Dakota game was tied at halftime. Yeah, I was at that North Dakota game. That was, uh, that was the most awkward trip to get a hot dog in my life. A lot of uh, Mickey Joseph uh, uh, talk. That definitely shout, out, um, shout out Memorial Stadium, adding Chick-fil-A. Um, no, fake news. That was, that was a lie. He lied to us. Okay, so I agree. I agree that we're going to be three and one. I think Colorado is the easiest game on the schedule. I think that. Um, Damn, you're putting them worse than LA Tech. I'm putting them worse than Northwestern. Oh, okay. Conference. Um, I think we lose to Illinois. I think that's a really good football team. I think we lose to Michigan. Uh, so that so three. And three. 
Okay, so so far we're pretty much dead on. Beat Northwestern. Lose to Purdue. Beat Michigan State. Lose to Maryland. Lose to Wisconsin. Beat Iowa. So you've got six. So we had very similar. I think the only difference was I had us beat. I think you had us losing to Michigan State and Maryland. Okay, I had Uh, one of those as a win. Or Purdue. I had Purdue as a win. I'm not mm-hmm. super confident in Purdue. Okay, so you've got seven and five. I've got seven and five. You've got six and six. Hey, these are, I feel like, I don't know about you, these feel pretty conservative for how our usual season predictions go. So. Yeah, right. Going yeah. through the Big Ten West, we usually are like, win, 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 win. <laughs> <laughs> when teams have just kicked your ass for five years, we're finally learning. Uh, that's what Purdue, I have to give the benefit of the doubt. I should give the benefit of the doubt to Northwestern, but they, I think, have a better chance of forfeiting the rest of their season than making a bowl game. Dude, they were our old, the only team they beat last year was us. Literally the only team. They won one game. They didn't win a game in America last year. That's very, that's tough, man. Okay. Uh, moving on. Whatever, we're over it. Uh, quickly, let's talk about some key players and some questions uh, going into this season. So I have a few. Um, I'll kind of read off mine so in case you need to gather your thoughts a little bit. Um, the first one, I think it's, you know, very, it's the most obvious one to say. So we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, but Jeff Sims, you know, this season, you know, as football goes, you kind of go as your quarterback goes, uh, college football can be a little bit different depending on how you run that football, but how Jeff Sims performs is incredibly important to this team throughout training camp. Uh, apparently he has you know, raised his completion percentage. He has took, taken care of the football. A little bit of trouble with that at uh, Georgia Tech. Maybe didn't have the greatest talent around him there. Um, no, and you had a whole roster that was recruited to run double wing option. Yeah, of course. That then had to rotate and play pro style or spread offense. They just weren't. The offensive line wasn't great because you know that's it's, it's really hard to run zone when your O line is two seventy across the board. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have. I was very surprised that Casey Thompson transferred away. I don't know if you were incredibly surprised, but I thought he had a very good chance of winning that job, not just competing. Obviously, you kind of see Jeff Sims come in. Oh, that's going to be the coach's guy. That's who he selected. But, you know, I think that at least publicly what they said, they were supportive of Casey. Um, He has gone to FAU. He has won that starting position. You know, not it was not a surprise. But he was a fucking warrior, man. He he played his heart out here, and he he uh, he helped us win a lot of football games. And he was, you know, one of the more talented passers we have had in a long time. You know, I saw him after uh, I think the Indiana game, which I believe was here uh, over at Pete and Non on O Street after the game. Dude looked like he had literally like held the gates of Sparta from the like Persian invaders. Like he limped out of there. He had ice all around him. He was wrapped up everywhere. Uh, he played through some serious injury and he gave us, he gave us some excellent moments. You know, without him, we don't beat uh, Iowa for the first time in five or six years, whatever. No. Uh, I think Casey Thompson deserves a And I think he has it. I think he has a lot of respect from, you know, Nebraska fans. Uh, there were some, you know, he didn't have much help up front. I was rewatching the Minnesota game today. There was a play on, you know, third and seven. They were facing a three-man front. They just both tackles got blown right past. Uh, actually, that was—I don't think he was actually playing that game. But 
you know, there were some struggles on the offensive line. We didn't give him the best protection. I don't think he got a chance to do what he can do best here. Uh, and hopefully he has that at uh, FAU. Yeah. Um, yeah, the worst game was at Illinois. Yeah, so this is this is my take on it. Um, I think as soon as Casey transferred or as soon as Jeff Sims came in, the writing was on the wall. I think Casey stayed through the spring because, um, one, because Nebraska was letting him do it, and two, because it's, there's probably no better place to rehab in the world than on the Nebraska training facilities. Which good for um, I think that um, bringing Jeff Sims in sent a message about what this offense is going to be. You yeah. didn't bring in Jeff Sims to manage games. You brought him in to be a playmaker. I think this offense is going to strongly resemble uh, Mike Riley's second year. I think the the ceiling for Jeff Sims this year is sort of Tommy 2016, who's really, really good. Um, he's huge. He's a lot bigger than Tommy. He's maybe a little bit faster. He's, he's well, a big son of a bitch. I don't know if he's that. If Tommy was huge. Tommy was huge. He just wasn't that tall. Um, Tommy had like the thickest neck I've ever seen. But <laughs> hey, that's important. In, if you wanted someone to manage games, there were plenty of quarterbacks you could have gotten that would have been a lot better than Jeff Sims at that. You brought him in because of his ceiling. You brought him in because you want him to make plays. And so I think this offense is not going to be as conservative as a lot of people think. And I think we're going to run the ball, too. Because if you wanted someone to just pass the ball, then Casey was right there. And he's probably a little better than Jeff Sims was. But Jeff Sims, the current, even though he barely, uh, did he play last year? He is the NCAA active leader in turnovers, which doesn't scare me is as he much really? as maybe it should. One, because I'm super used to it. Uh, we saw effective quarterback play with a ton of turnovers with Tom, with uh, Taylor Martinez and Tommy Armstrong to an extent. So, Do you mean, do you uh, mean Taylor or Adrian? I meant Taylor. I meant Taylor. Okay. He I meant Taylor Martinez. I did. I I didn't mix them up. Okay. Um. Also with Adrian, right? Also with Adrian. I think he's probably. Oh, I I don't want to. I don't want to say what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say he's probably similar to Adrian. Where you're going to see a lot of big plays, and I think you're going to see some mistakes. And I think that's this is going to be want. electric college football coming from Jeff Sims. I think we're very confident yep. in saying it will be can't miss television. We hope it's in a very positive way, and we think it can be. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do in a football field. I think he can be, I think he can be, you know, phenomenal. I really do. I know that's not just sugarcoating it. Um, anything like that. Okay. Let's move on to our, uh, this is, this is cheating a little bit. This is a key player. This kind of, I have key players and questions listed. They're going to be kind of the same thing. Uh, but that tight end room, uh, what Thomas mm-hmm. Fedoni can do, what Nate Borkager can do, you know, ever since Fedoni has come here before he even got here, you know, we were talking about how talented this kid is. You know, he's from Council Bluffs. He's just right over the river. Uh, you know, the, we, we know that the, the, uh, the talent and the promise is just through the roof. But, you know, can he stay healthy? His only really only problem has been, you know, the knee injuries, which have sidelined him. Uh, I, do, I did like hearing Matt Rule kind of t- talking about how he was holding Fedoni back and Fedoni hated him for it because... You know, you have to take it slow with something like that when you've had yeah. multiple knee injuries. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with uh, Teddy Prohaska. But for Teddy Prohaska, you know, we'll see how he's he is good to go for the season. We'll see how much he plays early on. Um, I don't think he's full, full go. I believe Fedoni is. Um, he might get limited a little bit. It might still be some of that, you know, seeing how he adapts to actual game speed. Um but I think the way this passing attack is going to work, I think we have some talent at wide receiver, but I think 
you know, if this tight end room can excel, if we can see Fedoni play even near what we think he can, um, I think Nate Borkatcher's, you know, very good at football. I think that that's going to be how this team wants to funnel that pass attack through. Uh, and I think that will kind of, that can very much define our offense. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people were sort of rooting for Fedoni to pass Borkatcher on the depth chart. And, mm-hmm. you know, spring game is clear. Borkatcher was the number one. Um, and then they, you know, throughout the summer, obviously there were some changes with the tight end room, but the um, people were rooting for Fedoni to pass Borkatcher. And I think when he didn't, at least not completely surpass him, that people thought of it as a um, a negative for Fedoni and maybe a negative for his rehab or maybe a negative that maybe his ceiling's not as high as we thought. But it's actually, I think people just don't realize how good Nate Borkatcher is. He's yeah. a freak athlete. When he got here right away, people were like, holy crap, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. And they you know, put him on scholarship pretty quickly. He could go and play and probably start for 10 other teams in the Big Ten right now. He's a yeah. really, really good tight end. He has a chance to be an all-Big Ten tight end. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Um, and then, so kind of... This is more, you know, in the question realm of things, uh, our tackle position. Now, I'm not, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just a fan of football. I didn't, like, seriously play or anything like that. Um, I really play at all, basically. Um, but that tackle position has been, uh, it's been, a, it's been a spot for some concern. There's no, uh, there's no way around it. Uh, you know, how Turner Corcoran and Bryce Benhart play is going to be, you know, very important considering we haven't had a quarterback be able to play a full season in God knows how long, you know, our quarterbacks have just taken hits after hits after hits. It's been a struggle to just get a guy, you know, a guy to play a full season. Um, and I mean, if we are in a situation, God forbid, where Jeff Sims gets hurt early, you know, I, I'm really concerned about where we are, you know, not just as an offensive line as a team, but just where that, that season is going to go and obviously the questions are going to you know start piling in about keeping Riola as the only coach to stay uh a year you know from the previous staff Scott I know you have strong feelings about you know line play um what's kind of your head at as far as the offensive line but more specifically the tackle position um I think if Teddy Prohaska can play 10 games this year it's going to bump the line play up a whole letter grade. He's and phenomenal when he plays. Pardon? What was that? He's phenomenal when he plays. Oh, he's yeah, he's excellent. And not only that, but what it does for Corcoran when you can move him to a different spot. Now, I think our guards are pretty solidified, but the ability to play Corcoran at right tackle instead of left tackle is huge, especially in this type of offense. Um, And I, I think... His ideal position is guard. I think we're set at guard, and I think in prior years it's just been unfortunate for him that we haven't been able to develop a tackle, and so he's had to be, be the one that plays it. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a. He, I think he is good when he can be in the real in the right spot. He's taking a lot of heat because you know, the left tackle position is maybe second most important behind center, um, or some people would say most important. I think if you're in the NFL, it's definitely the most important. That pay works, um, yeah. And he just might not be built for it whereas he can still be a very good and effective offensive lineman in a different spot so teddy coming back you can move corcoran to right tackle you've got noelle and noelle and piper 
as your guards, which I feel really, really good about. And then the one I feel best about is Ben Scott. Uh, what was he? All Pac-12 center. Something like that. Some hey, stars under his belt. Comes in here taking over possession, a position that, you know, had been in a little bit of turmoil since Cam Jurgens left. 28. Uh, 28 starts. For wow. Ben I mean, Scott. that's a ton, a ton of experience. Our whole offensive line has a lot of stuff. Like, this is a pretty experienced offensive line. It's not people aren't necessarily enthusiastic about our offensive line, but it is experienced. And I know that this this is like a this is a tight group. This is a passionate group. They care about what they do. Um, and they're they, also finally upperclassmen. Yeah, and we we saw some improvement over the course of last season. We did, like the last few games they played better, you know. And you had a, you had a brand new uh, offensive line coach. Obviously, you know was the uh, management of player and personnel the best under Scott Frost? No, it wasn't. Um, so, you know, seeing what these guys can do, I'm incredibly excited for and I'm hopeful about. Well, also, it should be noted the transition in strength coaches. Um, we'll see. We'll see what it does because, uh, you know, Scott Frost, you're running a spread offense. You kind of prioritize just having really, really big guys that can road grade. Whereas now in this offense, we're probably going to need a little more flexibility. And from all accounts, these guys look different physically. So yeah, the Corey I was, Campbell effect will be really interesting to see, especially on those tackles. Um, Teddy, Tanner, uh, Ben Hart. We'll see how more, how much more mobile they are. We'll see if that affects their ability to pass block. It should. Um, we were giving up a lot of um, inside moves. I mean, the problem was we got behind in the sticks. So that never helps your line when the defensive line knows you're going to pass. But I think, um, I think the new strength coach is going to really help. Yeah, you kind of you kind of stole my last uh, my last. That was gonna be my sneaky like key player was uh, the Corey Campbell effect. Uh, You can edit that out. You can edit that out. No, I don't want to edit that out. That was perfect because I mean I don't think we ever had a problem with War Daddy, Uh, but you know if if you know you get a strength coach that comes in and has an impact, that's I mean totally like easily can be program changing. You know these this guy spends more time with players than anyone else. Uh, he affects all of them. You know, obviously we know how important strength conditioning is uh, just to a football team, even just to a culture. You know, that guy's, I mean, he's really with them all the time. Um, but yeah, I think every athlete can benefit almost at all times from a change in coaching. Um, people see things a different way. People have different philosophies. Both people can still be right. And just the place and time that you're at, one can be more right than the other. Or one yeah. can be more needed than the other because yeah. there is diminishing returns with coaching over time. And sometimes it's just a change. Like maybe some mm-hmm. guy wasn't doing something wrong. It's just you know, and it's also yeah. different strokes for different folks, kind of thing. You right. know, it's just or it's just the mental reset that you get. You know, when when the team struggled to win that many games, I think even if you had a coach that was very good, I think there might just be an idea of we have to get some of these people out. Just that, not that they necessarily did anything wrong, but you know, we have to just kind of clean house. It's just a different mindset thing. Um, okay, last one on that topic. Uh, where do you feel like our wide receiver room is at? Because I, f- I was not super concerned about it. I listened to everybody else talk about it. They seem very concerned about it. Obviously, we get the transfer of Billy Kemp. Uh, I think everyone's fairly high on him. Uh, Marcus Washington did get a bit injured in camp. It sounds like he is good to go. I was pretty high on him last time we talked. Uh, I am. He had five... I want to say 500 some yards behind Trey Palmer, who had the most, you know, reception yards in a season in Nebraska history. 
I thought he was a playmaker. I thought he played very good football. But when you have a guy like Trey Palmer making the plays he was making uh, and the quarterback play we were having through stretches of the season, I think it kind of limited how many yards Marcus Washington could get. And therefore, people kind of felt like, hey, maybe, you know, we have some concerns about this guy. I, I did not have any concerns about Marcus Washington. Um, I thought we needed maybe just, you know, some insurance or whatever you want to call it. I think I have a lot of excitement about Billy Kemp coming off, you know, a season last mm-hmm. year where he didn't play as much, but he's, you know, one of the all-time leaders in Virginia Tech history, uh, receiving yards and receptions. So I feel good about where that spot's at. I understand that people may want to say, hey, we don't have a proven commodity, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I think that we are in a good spot at the wide receiver position. I don't know if we're going to be asking a ton from our pass catchers at, uh, out wide. Um, but what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I think that um, Matt Rule saying he didn't want to play any of the young wide receivers, at least not early in the year, um, was telling that we want to run the ball a lot because one of the things that young receivers don't do very well is block Big Ten level linebackers and defensive backs. So I think we're going to put guys in there who can do everything well, not just get separation and create space. Um, I feel really, really good about Billy Kemp. I feel really good about Marcus Washington when he gets healthy. He was listed as a second string on the depth chart, but I think that's just for the fact that he got injured twice during camp. And I think that, you know, you have to practice to play. And I think Bullock can do... 90% 90% of what Washington can do. Uh, I, does that feel like an insult? I think Marcus Washington is really, really good. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it, you know, it's tough because I haven't seen the kid play a lot. Right. So to say that he could do everything that Marcus Washington could do, I feel like would be unfair to Marcus Washington. Um, IGC is obviously there. He's really fast. He can get separation. You kind of have a ton of guys who can play slot receiver. Maybe you don't have as many possession guys on the outside, which is sort of what you have with your young guys. And so we'll, we'll as they develop, I think this wide receiver room could be really, really good towards the end of the season. We might be just thin on usable players right now at the top. Because obviously Xavier Betts no longer playing football again. I was going to ask, do you think that that kind of splashed some cold water on people's expectations of the receiver room when he... Uh... Our, our most watched video as of recording this was talking about the return of Xavier Betts and IGC to the football team. So, yeah. and obviously local kid, um, a lot of, I, I I was, we were both pretty hyped that he was coming back. Obviously things didn't work out. Sometimes it's just how things go. He's not gonna be playing football this year. Um, do you think yeah. that that did, you think that kind of brought people up just to knock him down with his return and kind of raise their expectations just to drop him? I think you just didn't have anybody that was like Xavier Betts, at least nobody with experience. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of Xavier Betts. There's not a lot of teams that do. So he was going to be able to make certain plays that nobody else could. Um, not to say the offense can't be effective without him and people can play definitely within the offense, but he had potential to, you know, break, break games open. He's right. a, he, he was legit an NFL, but I mean, it would it wouldn't surprise me if like he does go and play professional football to some capacity, or at least makes up a practice squad of some sort. Cause he's that sort of freak athleticism. Yeah. There's no question about the talent there at all. Mm-hmm. All right. Scotty boy. Mm-hmm. It's time. We're here. The 2023 season is just really less than 24 hours away. Wow. 23 hours away. As of recording this, 
going to be primetime on Fox visiting Minnesota in Minneapolis up north. Uh, sold out stadium for them, which is cool, I guess, for them. Uh, like 40, I don't know. Uh, Minnesota's <laughs> coming off a 9-4 and four campaign, Nebraska 3-9. and uh, This is the fourth straight season Nebraska's opened with a Big Ten conference game, which seems absolutely nuts. Uh, the Huskers are 0-3 in the previous season conference openers. Probably didn't need to read that off. You guys know that. Uh, that's from Evan Bredson at the Cornhuskers Wire. Um, you know, this is a very interesting game, not only because of the timing, because it's a divisional opponent, because of who it's against. Uh, Minnesota has been, it's, uh, we all know Minnesota very well. Uh, I believe Minnesota is the team we have played the most against since entering the Big Ten, technically, uh, at the Heroes and Legends uh, division or whatever. Um, but not just because of the timing, but because of, this is always a difficult game. You know, there's been, over the past five, six years, Minnesota's blown us out once. Nebraska's blown out Minnesota once. Uh, there's a couple 20-some point games in there. But other than that, you know, it's been pretty one-sided. Minnesota's won pretty much all of them, but they've all been by almost exactly seven points. So this has been, they've been tough games. They've been classic divisional games. So for Matt Rule to open up on the road against Minnesota, um, you know, it's it's certainly interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about this. Uh, it's, I think for Matt rule and the Cornhuskers, it's a little bit of just ripping that bandit off right away. There's no, uh, there's no ramp up period. There's no Akron, you know, there's no, uh, home game. There's no pressure of, the, I mean, there's pressure in a home game too, especially, you know, with a crowd that's, that wants it, that's sold out. Um, I think for Nebraska, this might be, you know, kind of an opportunity because Minnesota in the past, their first few games have struggled. They've played some teams that are supposed to be softballs and they've, you know, kind of gotten away with a few wins. So I think this might be a huge opportunity for Nebraska, but it's also a very tough team. Minnesota's, you know, they're going to beat you up. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They might come with only 25, 30 active players and still beat you because, you know, 30 of them have COVID. Uh, We'll just breeze right on past that. But Scott, what is your kind of takeaway on just this general matchup uh, coming into the season? Yeah, well, what I'm really excited to see is Minnesota's offense versus Nebraska's defense. I know Minnesota graduated a bunch of really good O-linemen, but they just produced a lot of really good O-linemen. Tanner Morgan not there finally after six years. Um, New quarterback coming in. But the big thing is how they match up against our defense. Uh, It feels like a team like Minnesota who loves to run zone. You know, it's just... A defense that does gap exchange, so just stay on your tracks, get up to linebacker, there should be creases. But we basically ran a 3-3 against them last year, and it stymied them quite a bit, zero points in the first half. And then they also played against Tony White's 3-3 defense in their bowl game versus Syracuse and also really struggled there. Uh, Now, they did hire Syracuse, the guy who was calling plays that game. They hired him as their co-DC slash secondaries coach. So they have Tony White's playbook. Um. We'll see. I, I like our front six quite a bit. I like our depth there. I like how explosive we are. I think we're going to get a ton of penetration through their, you know, they're breaking in a lot of offensive linemen. I think it all comes down to if we can keep them under 24, I think we'll win. Wow. Okay. You expect Nebraska to score over 24 in their first game? That's kind of a number that makes me a little uncomfortable. That's, I would put, I mean, I don't hate the number, but I would guess like if I had to pick a score, I'd pick like Nebraska scores 20, 23 points. I am very interested. I just have no idea what Nebraska's offense is going to look like. I think it's just, 
I, I like if Casey Thompson were the quarterback, I feel like I would totally understand what they're going to try and do. Uh, with Jeff, there's just so many unknown pieces on that mm-hmm. offense. I just, I mean, Anthony Grant uh, last year against Minnesota, he had 60 yards in the first drive against Minnesota, which is not something. I mean, Minnesota had a good defense last year. That's not something that you typically see. 60 yard, he had 120 or so yards. He uh, yards per carried, he kind of demolished Mo Ibrahim. Mo Ibrahim had like 40 more yards, but he had you know, like 15 more rush attempts. Yeah, so we ran, we were running running the ball pretty well. Obviously, that came to an abrupt end. Nebraska had five straight three and outs at one point. Uh, just could not move the ball. You know, stalled out. That was a game without Casey Thompson. But now Anthony Grant's third on the depth chart, which I don't know how long that's going to last. I think that's a fumble thing, uh, mm-hmm. and also being stuck at the third string at running back isn't the worst thing in the world because you're still going to probably see some action. Um, you know, in some capacity. So, and if you're, Honestly, if you're, I think Anthony Grant is a better running back as a, as a change of pace back. I think he's a better running back with 10 carries than he is with 20. Uh, I think we saw that last year where he'd have he, these huge monster first halves. And then once team could get a beat on him and his cuts and defensives could adjust, then he became much less effective in the second half. Yeah. There was also, if he's a guy you bring in every three series. I think he's going to be uber effective, but if yeah. you know, I and if we kick that where... back to uh, last year, that's I mean a lot of the talk was about Mark Whipple and his kind of unwillingness to run the football, and I, I know people kind of felt that he was flat in the run ge- in terms of play calling uh, with the run game. So I think that there's probably some of that in there. Um, but I, where do you stand on this running back room? Because I've heard conflicting opinion. I thought that this was a pretty deep room. I have heard some people say the opposite because we've seen. Flashes from all these guys at some point, Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, Anthony Grant. Um, we've got a couple fullbacks now. Is this a group that gives you any concerns or are you fired up for it? Obviously, fumbles are a concern. I think it's really interesting. It's kind of fun because everybody get, has their... Um, it seems like every single kind of running back is represented in that room. So if you're a guy who likes the power back, then you like yeah. Gabe Irvin. If you like sort of the Amir Abdullah slasher type back, then you've got Anthony Grant. Um, if you like a speedy guy, you've got Ramir Johnson, someone who can catch passes out of the backfield as well. Um, really excited to have him in the fold. Um, man, do you remember Gabe Irvin starting off that 2021 season, looking like mm-hmm. he might take over as the number one running back and then blowing his knee against Oklahoma? Yes. He looks like a different dude now. He looks like he's gained 40 pounds. He's enormous. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna jack people up. He looks like he ate Gabe Irvin. <laughs> this is the guy that ate Gabe Irvin. He's gonna be our new Gabe Irvin. That's that, how it works. Yeah, right? that, <laughs> you get to take their name and title. Do you think we're going to see fullback carries much at all? Or is that could be more blocked no not yet uh bonner playing in the backfield i don't think he's going to get a lot of carries i think eventually they're going to want a fullback who can carry the rock i think that's who recent in-state nebraska commit connor booth 2025 kid i think that's who that's going to be if you get a chance look at his huddle film he's uh basically the incredible hulk as a yeah count scott Uh, as a big fan of booth yeah i had to coach against him twice last year it was a nightmare yeah um he he's he's gonna be awesome i think he's a kid that you're gonna want to get carries if they do end up playing him at fullback or they might want him at linebacker too but 
I don't think right now we're going to see a lot of carries from the fullback. I think it's going to be more of a chess piece. I like Janarian Bonner, where he could play tight end or split out wide or in the backfield. And then um, just the flexibility that gives your positions without having to sub. So without the defense knowing that you're going to be in a different formation or in different personnel. And, you, you know, you could be in spread one play and then the next play you, you've got a fullback and, um, you know, you're running some weak ISO or stuff like that. It's um, I, I think he'll be he's he's sort of the most underrated player on the roster to me right now. I think everybody's going to love him by halfway through the season. Well, I mean, he's a fullback, so it's not going to be hard to get. Love he's the knight. He's the knight on the chessboard. I don't know what they call him. He's probably an H is probably the most technical term. But so I did a little. uh my uh, very junior research on Minnesota, and I was very surprised on what I heard. So now I'm I'm mostly just listening to insiders. Uh, some of the stuff coming out from Minnesota was a little interesting to me. I didn't realize that they had that many defensive players graduate. Uh, obviously, Tanner Morgan being the biggest piece to leave. Uh, he's been through Minnesota for he's been there for six years. Uh, Ethan Kaliak Manis is taking over for him. Uh, Nebraska fans should remember him. He came in for that whole second half against. Nebraska, we probably win that game if Tanner Morgan plays the whole game. But Callie McManus came in, that offense kind of found some life uh, and was able to uh, obviously get enough points second half to beat Nebraska last year. Uh, Minnesota, no more Mohamed Ibrahim. Uh, that's going to be a big deal. He was phenomenal in college. Uh, from what it seems to me, Minnesota is going to be more of a running back by committee. This is a situation where you know, they probably would like to have a game against, you know, an FCS opponent or a G5 opponent to maybe feel that out a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how set they are in Cali Manis as well. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. Um, that did uh, change my prediction of how this game was going to go. Because Minnesota is kind of a team that you play in occasionally, you know, when they had um, the receiver that was playing uh, lights out. Who's now with the Ravens? His name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, Rashad Bateman. Bateman. Uh, that team, you know, Wisconsin. If Minnesota has the guys, they'll throw the football. If they have running back, they'll mm -hmm. run the football. So I think they might occasionally struggle with identity. Sometimes uh, early in the season, we've seen them struggle a little bit against teams that they should, you know, beat easily early in the season. So this might be kind of when Minnesota does not want to play Nebraska. Uh, I didn't. I never took that into consideration. I only looked at it from Nebraska's point of view. But Minnesota's got some question marks at some pretty important positions. Uh, their most important positions uh, on offense, for sure. Um, and you know, this might be a time where they would rather play. I think PJ said he would rather play. You know, them later in the year than earlier in the year, which was surprising to me. You know, is an elite comment by PJ. Uh, I, I wish we had been doing the show a little bit earlier so I could have snuck some more elites into this week. Uh, everything is elite during PJ Fleck week. Um, you know, I shower more elite. I eat more elite. You know, I drink my water more elite. My peas are more elite. I make sure that there's it's clear so I'm a good teammate. Um, but those were kind of my That's major takeaways. That's Tom Herman line. That's Tom Herman. Um, mm -hmm. And then the Nebraska thing, the, the thing that I wanted to bring up, um, before we were done here, uh, Tristan Alvano was named as the starting kicker for Nebraska. That's going to be huge. Uh, you know, he's played in big moments. You know, anyone who is somewhat familiar with Nebraska uh, high school football will be familiar with uh, Tristan Alvano. Obviously, won the state championship, helped win state championship for Westside with a game winning field goal in Memorial Stadium. 
probably doesn't get an offer from Nebraska without that kick uh, or a few of those kicks that he had in that game, but he will be the starting kicker. Uh, you know, obviously true freshman. That's going to be, you know, hard to go to Minnesota. Uh, it's not going to be super cold because it's still August, but to go and play in that situation is going to be tough. I, I mean, I have any doubts about him being able to perform, um, but kind of a tough situation to be thrown in for your first game. Yeah. Um, let's see where it goes. Special teams were a little bit improved last year. Bill Bush did a really good job. Um, I think part of why PJ Flex said that it was tough to play Nebraska week one is because you have no idea what their offense is going to look like. Yeah. That's um, we have no idea what their offense is going to look like. Um, I think Alvano is one of those guys, sort of like Fedoni, where everyone was rooting for him to win the job. And yeah. um, he won it over a good kicker. Like, this is. That was a, that was a, a real competition, and uh, I mean it's exciting. He must he must be good if he was if he won that job. He must be good because yeah, it's not our special teams. Our kicking game was pretty good last year. Yeah, what do you think about Matt Rule saying that we're not going to fair catch any kicks? Is that concerning to you? I mean, it seemed um, like a hard no. To yes, and but uh, as a football guy, no. I like that you're just forcing a guy to tackle you every every time. I think you can you kick off as a good opportunity for you to set the tone. We're not going to exactly see the wedge anymore, but um, forcing eleven of their guys to run down the field and try and block you, and, and forcing them to make a stop. Um, I think I can get I can get behind it. I can get behind the philosophy of it. As long as there's a philosophy, as long as there's some some thought put behind it, then um, it's easy to sell me on it because it seems like we haven't been well aligned on that, especially in special teams in the past few years. Yeah, I think we have the exact same opinion on that. Because I I would generally, I would think more in the terms of you are not going to bring the ball out to the 25-yard line uh, every time. You're probably going to be closer to like the 23-ish when you average it out. However, there is an argument to make, especially in college, you get one kickoff return for a touchdown that can win you that. And not just like the score-wise, but you do that early. Not even kickoff return for touchdown is kind of the extreme example. But you bring a ball out to a 50, that the juice that that can give a college team, I think, is like unmatched and that can literally like win you a game. So I yeah. think that there is, you know, you can sacrifice, you know, a couple, you know, one, two, maybe three yards of average starting field position if that means, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, once or twice this season, we're going to get a kickoff return that changes the tone of a game because that happens. We've seen it. We've, we're usually on the receiving end of it in the past few years. Um, but in that way, I think I think I'm okay. I, I also I also like that he was like, no, no, we're not we're not fair catching kicks. We're not doing that shit. That was also very funny to me. Yep, I like that. Okay, Scotty, it's time. It's time for our first prediction of the year. Um, so earlier in the show, we did talk about our uh, expectations for the season, and I may end up going kind of against what I said in that. Um, Sort of, I was kind of vague, so maybe it'll save me. Um, but when it comes to an actual prediction of this game, the one thing I would bet, you know, legitimate money on, I think this game will be close. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't know if anyone's blowing the top off of anyone. I think there's still a lot of figuring out where these teams are at the quarterback position, running back position, all that kind of stuff. Um, with my research on Minnesota, uh, and kind of the, some of the question mark, not that they have you know problems anywhere per se, but some of the question marks there, and you know 
some of the things we talked about. I think I'm going to go Nebraska by three in this. I was going to pick Minnesota by three, but I kind of talked myself into Nebraska by three. Part of the reason I think I wanted to pick Nebraska to lose uh, is just so I can say I picked Nebraska to lose once and I wasn't just a total homer. Um, but I'm going to say Nebraska wins a very close one. I don't, you know, we don't need to win this game. Um, you know, I think it's going to be close. I'm not crazy confident that Nebraska is going to win, but I'm going to lock it in. Nebraska by three. Yeah, Joe, I like, I like that prediction. Uh, you kind of even talked me into it. Um, let's go. It's not like PJ Fleck to be unsure about his team. So I'm going to say Nebraska by four. I'm going to say 28-24. Damn, a blowout. Okay. I didn't know you were getting crazy with it. That's what I'm the talking Big Ten about. Big West blowout. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Big Ten West blowout. I mean, that would uh, that would be very exciting if we go into Colorado already up. I mean, if we win, we're going to feel like fucking superstars. Like it's we're going to feel... Yeah. Like, Nine oh, wins sh- is on the table. Oh, point. we're so back. We're so back. Like, if we, yeah, we're going to be obnoxious on our post shit. Like, it's going to be terrible. It's, <laughs> we're going to have to be talked down. Um, but I think, I think you feel the same way. If we lose that game, I don't think we're super concerned. I think we kind of, as our season prediction, we kind of nope. penciled that. I think we both said we're probably going to lose that game. And then we kind of both convinced ourselves that we're going to win it, which is, uh, that's real Nebraska Nothing to lose. football right there. Nothing yeah. to lose. Full eyes, clear heart. Clear heart, can't lose. Can't lose. Scotty, how's it feel to be back? That's a good show. Good. This is a good show. We're, um, yeah, very, very, a little bit different without the set. I kind of like being without the set, though, especially. Yeah, I slowly oh. lost my um, light. <laughs> now I've just got the screen light lighting my face. I noticed that. Yeah, we're having some. Scott didn't have his mic. We have some trouble with. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, which are to be expected when we're back, uh, back up in this. Um, but yeah, I, I'm literally more excited for this season than I was for last season. Way more. Oh yeah, not even close. Not even close. The last time I was this excited, I think was 2019. Yeah, sorry, I'm checking the... Uh... I was like, and with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm checking Nebraska's... Uh, the, vo- the volleyball uh, game is going on right now. Mm-hmm. So, Bleacher Report saying 90,000 fans. I'm trying to get an exact number on that. Yeah, this is kind of a... This is post-show. So if you guys want to hop off, there's no uh, no hard feelings there. I'm trying to see if I can get an actual number. We broke a record. It is a world record, ninety-two thousand and three. Holy shit! Are you serious? Yep. Oh my god! Where'd you find that? Wow! A very reputable uh, bar stool skirt. Or <laughs> is this ball sack on a walk? This isn't ball sack skirts, is it? This is not ball sack skirts. They Which did a flyover. Wow. Incredible. Really, holy shit. Really incredible. That's I love that they opened the whole thing up. Whoa, they did. Oh my god. That's fucking congratulations to Nebraska volleyball. Wow. A world record. That's it just wow. Congrats to Nebraska volleyball, state of Nebraska, women's sports in general. That's fucking awesome. Wow. Congrats. 
and Scott didn't want to go. That's not true. <laughs> We both wanted to go. It was hard to it was hard to find tickets. It was basically impossible. Well, I yeah, I wasn't able to be free. I, I coach football for high school yeah. teams. I wasn't able to be free till six thirty. Would already been mostly done by then. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Fuck yeah. Good. Okay, well that's that's the way to end the show right there. Yeah, we did Hell it. Yeah, too. we done it. Oh my god, volleyball is going to hold this over football forever too because now they've had more fans in the stadium for theirs than they did for football. Yeah, well, you're never going to open up the standing room only for football. <laughs> I know. But they did it. It's Scotty McCreary's it. show is going to be nuts. Are you going to try and make a Scotty McCreary show sneak in? Not. I, I'm good. I'm good on that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank What's you guys. What's going to sound like in an open air stadium? Angelic. It's going to sound beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right. Thank you guys very much. We will be back very soon. We appreciate you all. Go ahead and hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. We appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you. Bye-bye.